Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. 87 106 is our WhatsApp number. Joanna Fortune joins us once again for Parenting Afternoon, Joanna. Uh, right, first question is this. My nine-year-old gets very wound up and frequently has tantrums during soccer matches, which result in him shouting, crying or even hitting teammates. In fairness, there's a fair few adults probably do that too. He loves soccer and talks about little else. But it's really annoying the coaches. He has sensory processing disorder and tends to be quite hyper. He gets additional support at school, but he comes across as more emotionally immature than his twin brother and his peers. We've had many conversations with him about his behaviour at team sport activities, but nothing seems to work. Can you please advise us how to support him to manage his frustrations when they arise? We just don't know how to break the cycle, but removing him from a soccer club would break his heart. Oh, the poor little thing, because you're looking at this. There is context to this child's behaviour. This isn't just a child getting riled up on the pitch and not Mm. being, you know, acting out in a negative way. He has a sensory processing disorder and that's going to determine his capacity or lack thereof to regulate that sensory surge that he's going to get. You know, the adrenaline, the excitement, everything that's going on is sending him into a highly dysregulated state. Now, not for one moment saying stop the soccer or take him off the team because he loves it and it's really important for him to have that. But when you talk about how, you know, it's annoying the coaches, a big part of me is like, well, hang on, do they know Mm. that this child has additional needs, has other developmental considerations and that a huge amount of this is, you know, not within his control because there are limits to how much of this is simply behaviour and how much of it is what's underpinning and driving that behaviour. So maybe you might be listening saying, no, we've never told them. I think you should tell him this is a part, tell the coaches, like this is a part of your son. It's who he is. It's how he is. And if you can create more understanding than their annoyance, which will only contribute to his dysregulation, by the way, it's Mm. going to be like a hot potato. His behaviour is going to annoy them. Their annoyance will further trigger him. The other thing is, because he has this diagnosis and you know he tends towards hyper arousal, so that more volcanic eruption rather than someone who might go hypo, which is more of a iceberg freezing state, you yeah. know, but that kind of eruptive state. I'm curious, has he had any therapy or therapeutic input since that diagnosis? Because there are a couple of things that you could do, like you certainly you could take him to a therapist, but you could also and it, it's not an either or it could be an and or take him to an occupational therapist as well. And even if he, you know, this diagnosis may be years old, he may have seen someone then, but he's now nine years old. He's at a different developmental stage and it could be worth revisiting that if you have done it before. Particular therapeutic interventions that would come to my mind with a little guy with sensory processing tending towards that hyper dysregulation would be therapeutically a a modality called TheraPlay. It's dyadic. That means the parent or caregiver is with the child as part of the process. Mm. And they come, they're learning as part of it how to bring this kind of play home with them and integrate it into the parent-child strategies so that actually you're learning how to support his dysregulation. And what it does is it it aims to increase that window of tolerance, which we all have, where we feel comfortable in control of our behaviours because stressful experiences will compress that and these positive, very considered dyadic play things will extend it. That's a very viable modality to consider. But also if you talk to occupational therapists, 
they might um, be able to provide a, an input called Just Right State, which is a very particular therapeutic intervention for children with sensory processing disorder that can be highly effective. And there are others out there too. So I, when you're saying how can we deal with it, I would think that he deserves ther- therapeutic input on this, even if he's had it before Let's go back to it because Mm. he's changing. He's nine now. So developmentally, as he changes, he's got other things going on in terms of physiological development, everything else that could just knock him off track. When you say you've had all these conversations with him, I get it. I totally get that you're talking to him. And I get that that's like the radiator on and the window open a lot of the time. (laughs) Very little of that is landing. Yeah. And it's not that he's not listening and it's not that he's not interested or doesn't want to please you. It's that it's very difficult for children who are prone to dysregulation to sit down and take in and process cognitive information like that and go, oh, you're right, now that I can weigh that up and Mm. consider, because actually they're in a flipped lid state. And if you imagine your lid is flipped, that part of your brain that does all that thinking, talking and rationalising is offline. So actually, you've got to find ways to do your communication with him rather than speak it. And that's why I think an intervention that is also involving you as parents could be very, very helpful. Yeah. And is it unusual because he has a twin brother that he is the disorder, but the brother doesn't? I mean, it's not at all. I mean, you could Mm. see this in sibling groups, even if they're twins or not, where you have some children, you know, even if no child in your family has a diagnosis, you're going to see in your own kids one that's seemingly Teflon coated and everything slides off and nothing phases them at all. And another one who's just really sensitive and feels everything much deeper, even though you feel you've raised them the same way. So, no, they're all different and it's not it wouldn't be unusual that you'd have one child who would develop anything like this. But I, I would be aiming to keep him on his team with his peers in an activity he really likes, because actually, once you get support him in being able to better manage his own regulation, the team collaborative aspect will be really healthy for him. I broke up with my daughter's dad a year ago. I started seeing someone two months ago, but I've yet to introduce him to my four-year-old. I'm nervous that the relationship won't be long-term. And for that reason, I'm afraid an introduction uh, may cause confusion and eventual hurt for my little girl. I've no clue how to navigate this. How do you explain the concept of a boyfriend to a four-year-old and when would be appropriate for her to meet him in person? Okay, I mean, a couple of Mm. things. This is all very new. You know, this sounds like your first relationship after your breakup. I can hear the tentative nervousness in, (laughs) what do I do with this? Two months is still a new relationship. So actually, you don't need to rush the introduction at all. You definitely have time on your hands here. I think you should wait until you do feel this is a long term relationship, as certain as anyone can be about that. You know, where you're saying you're not sure at the moment. Uncertainty is not the time to introduce Mm, somebody new into your daughter's life. So give this time, allow yourself to feel and find your way into this relationship and develop that connection and nurture that yourself between you and your partner, rather than thinking about, oh, your daughter straight away. When it does come to a stage of introducing her to your partner, be it this partner or anyone else down the line, the best approach is be honest, be prepared and be age and developmentally appropriate. Yeah. So it isn't the same as, you know, breaking that information or sharing that information rather with a friend or a family member, because the first thing she's going to be thinking is, well, how does this affect me? Mm. That's really going to be her main concern with this is who is this and how does it affect me? 
be very sensitive to the fact that a four-year-old child and you and her dad broke up a year ago may still be holding the fantasy and the yeah, magical yeah. thinking that you will get back together. So again, that's why I'd be very cautious and take your time about mentioning someone new. And if and when her reaction is extremely negative, let's imagine, don't think, oh, this is it. I must end my relationship. This is so bad. It may be that it's just occurring to her that, oh, that means you're Permanent. not getting back yeah. with my dad. Yeah. So be very sensitive to that. Um, you want to come at this in a, very slowly and gradually so that you introduce this person as this is a friend of mine. We've been spending time together. This person's really important to me. You're important to me. And I want the two of you to get to know each other and do something like short activities, little bits of time together and build it gradually as as they get to know each other, as their connection grows. Don't force it and don't have unrealistic expectations on either yes. part, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. And this new you, person is kind of gone out with her rather than signing up for Now, her. I'm sure he's aware there is yes. a four-year-old child. and <laughs> He's in for a shock if he's I not. I mean, I'm hoping that. <laughs> but, you know, but also that, yeah, that's an awareness that you have to hold in mind. You're not just mm. dating this person. You're dating a person who has a child. Yes. And yeah. that is a very different approach. And then you do want to be clear with your daughter who he is and who he is not. Mm. He is my boyfriend. He is going to be in our life. He is not your new dad. Yeah. You have a dad. Yes. Yeah. And keeping it very clear and simple is the way I'd practice this, by the way. I'd sit a friend of yours down and I'd say, be a four-year-old because I need to run mm. this little script by. So the first time you're saying this isn't to your daughter and take your time with it. You're in the beginning stages of a new relationship. Enjoy that. Give yourself space and time to get to know this person and develop that connection for yourself first. Yeah. Roughly speaking, would it be the same as when you are thinking of introducing him to your parents? That might be the time to introduce him to your child. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, you know, I think it, maybe people approach this differently. I think you usually will wait until you're sure this person's going to be around for more than the odd Sunday dinner yes, before yeah. you would say, do you want to meet my parents? Yeah. yeah, I think when you're saying, I think it's time to meet anyone important in your life, it is also a statement of, I now see you as important in my life. Yeah, yeah. So it is a declaration about the relationship as well. Yeah. My 10-year-old daughter has become fearful of flying, so much so that she became anxious, panicky and upset, even discussing the idea. She will tell us she is terrified of the idea of being locked into a place and the idea of flying itself. She's not been on a flight since she was five years of age, had no problem at all then, but now is afraid of the whole idea of travelling by plane. She's extremely bright, very thoughtful and will even articulate that she blames COVID for making her feel anxious. She has seen myself and my husband travel separately by plane and return safely to her at different times. To date, our family holidays abroad have been by ferry. And while she was really anxious before travelling, she managed well with, uh, and with support to help her relax. We do want to travel as a family soon by plane. How are we best to support her without minimising her worries, but getting her on the plane all the same? We will try to be patient, encourage her that she won't always feel this way about travelling, but I worry the fear of getting uh, on a plane is really terrifying for her. Do you know, the bit of this that I really pick up on is that, you know, you have been abroad on a ferry and she was really anxious about that as well. Yeah. But she did manage it with support and did relax. And it's funny, I wonder if that's also a part of this, Sean, because she has been on planes before. She did manage it really well, albeit half her lifetime ago. Yeah. You have to hold that in mind as well. She Mm. was five, she's now 10. Yeah. And a lot of time has gone by. It might be useful, and I'm sure you have, but remind her that you've done this. 
And it was okay. Mm. I under, that's not minimizing how it is now, but you're just gently putting context that this isn't like you've never done it before. I also think it could be the idea of flying. You know, that mental picture of, I have to get on this plane, they're going to lock the door, we're going to be up, it's going to be wobbly, that she's talking herself and thinking herself into a state of anticipatory arousal yeah. where, you know, it's just, you're in that heightened state where everything does seem like a huge problem. The experience may well be much easier for her, the actual doing of it. Now, that said, I don't want you, and you're dead right, not to minimise this. You can say, look, we will be travelling on a plane as a family for a holiday because that's not really something for your 10-year-old to decide. You're mm. going to be doing that. Yeah. And I have this little bag, put them in a pillowcase, get a nice pillowcase, that's fine, I'll tie a ribbon around the top, just a little bag of this is going to be your plane kit mm. because I've put a lot of thought into making this as comfortable as possible. And in that, I would have headphones that are noise minimizing, you know, so for takeoff, landing, yeah. the, those kind of peak times, you're going to have some snacks and particularly maybe lollipops, things that will help with any ear issues or any dysregulation like that. You're also going to have some activities, you know, whatever it'll be, a little jigsaw, colouring, a little game, some kind of travel game like that that you can have with her. A little bit of sensory stuff. And by that, I mean a small little thing of hand lotion that you can do a hand massage with her when she's getting nervous. You know, you could bring any small little thing like that that will just give her a squidgy, you know, a little squeezy, like a fidget toy, that type of thing that could be very regulating as well. And you could put in just to a small bottle, being aware of all your travel sizes for everything when you're getting on a plane because you're carrying this on, a small little travel bottle with some water and a couple of lavender drops. And that's going to be your safe flight spray, your Mm. relaxed spray. This is going to make it easier. Be supremely confident about that and give her that to spray and let her know that you're with her, that you will hold her hand and you will help her through it. So you're just being that being with her. Don't say it won't be a problem. Don't say you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just say, I understand you're worried about it. And I have all of these ways that I'm going to support you through it. And I think because I actually can pick up in this and I'm sure you can as well. There's nervousness on the part of the parent. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, because you you can imagine the idea of being locked into a place so they can do. If I was a parent, I'd be thinking, okay, we're going to do all these things. Then as soon as she hears the door slam, she starts freaking out. That's why I'd have the headphones. Yeah. I would be trying to eliminate as much of that and keep her chatting and engaged when she's on it. Even if you want to play music for her in those headphones, so that's what she's hearing rather than announcements and, you know, cabin crew close the door or whatever it might be announcements. And it is okay to let the staff on the plane know you have a nervous flyer with you. Yes. You can make that known as part of your check-in. Yeah. Go up to the desk when you get to your uh, boarding area. Let them know. They will note on her seat number that she is a nervous flyer and somebody will be very sensitive to that as well. So I think that could all really help. Yeah. Good luck with it. Enjoy the holiday. (laughs) Yes. I have two boys, uh, a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. My four-year-old is quite rough with his little brother, uh, though they often play quietly apart and together. When upset by the toddler or sometimes just out of the blue, it seems to me, the four-year-old will scratch, hit in the face, sometimes with toys, drag or push the toddler over, banging his head on the floor or gouge his eyes. I often can't get there fast enough to block the behaviour. I respond by preventing further attack, attending to the little one's boo-boos. 
and then uh, reiterating that we don't hate Scratch, etc. in our family. Then only letting them continue playing when the older shows me that he's calmer and wants to play nicely. We take away his episode of Paw Patrol after serious incidents. So, you know, quite in- very serious. My question is this. How will my younger boy process or understand the often physically violent behaviour of his older brother to whom he's obviously lovingly attached? The little one seeks out his big brother for playing and always looks for him first as soon as he wakes each day. But his older brother hurts him quite badly, leaving marks and bruises multiple times a day. Will my toddler associate love and admiration with being physically hurt? I've already noticed that little brother will give up any toy he's playing with as soon as the older starts whining about wanting it, seemingly in an effort to prevent any further drama. Okay, there's a bit of projection in the end of this letter. Yes, there is. Okay, because you're projecting a level of reflection onto a two-year-old that the two-year-old just doesn't have. He's not going, goodness, he's about to kick off based on that whining. I best hand over this toy to short circuit that. That's not happening. So he may simply be saying, oh, you want it? You can have it. Mm. That's as far as that goes. (laughs) Just to say that. The other thing that I want you to just hear a very clear no from me on is, will my toddler associate love and admiration with being physically hurt? No, yes. just no. And yeah. largely because, yes, his brother is hurting him at certain times, but you're coming in with a lot of attention, soothing, minding, regulating. Mm. So absolutely not. So I and I think it's really important to emphasize that, Sean, because there, be very wary of demonizing the four year old and mm. causing a split between your two sons. Yeah, that one of them is the good injured one. And the other is the negative injuring one. Yeah. Because actually they're two young children. Developmentally, they are competitors. They are within developmental grasp of each other at two and four years old. They will likely grow up and become great friends. But you're in for a few rocky years as they both negotiate developmental stages that are incongruent with each other right now. I would have thought it would be the two-year-old doing it to the four-year-old rather than the other way around. Yeah, it can be. And I mean, you have a four-year-old who, I don't want to minimise all of this either, does tend towards the physical acting out. (laughs) I mean, this is at the, you know, when he's banging his head and pushing him over and gouging his eyes, it's all sounding a bit, you know wrestling like yes, in that yes, you know, it's yeah. getting very physical but I just think when you say you only let your four-year-old continue playing when he shows you he's calmer and wants mm. to play nicely that is a big ask of a four-year-old child mm, yeah. so I just think you need to manage your expectations of what this is going to look like you know cause and effect thinking is very underdeveloped I mean by all means take away the Paw Patrol episode but don't assume he's linking that to the incident of gouging with his brother mm. I, yes, that's again yeah, a big ask of a yeah. young child. He's just like, okay, you're, now you're taking that away and I'm not sure why, yeah. but I don't like it. Mm. And now I'm simmering in a bit of frustration with that. Redirection and distraction are the best intervention tools you have at this age. It doesn't mean you say it's okay. You come down, you say a very clear no, we don't hit. All of that, I know you're upset, you want that toy, we don't hit in this family. When you feel cross, you come find me. You go outside, you stamp your feet, you twirl around, give him things he can do. I would ensure that both of them, as best you can in what is clearly a busy household, get one to one time with you. If you're co-parenting, if you've got a partner, that one takes one and the other takes the other and then swap that around. Making sure your four year old is getting time with you. Play with them. Sit down on the floor with them. You know, not all the time, but definitely to get them going. And model very safe, happy play with them, praising, oh, this is lovely. You're doing so well. This is great. 
set that up and be aware that you can step away from them, but not for like an hour and a half, two hours because mm. they're too young. They need an adult to keep coming in and intervening yeah. at this age. So you might be able to step away for 10 minutes, pop in. Just how's it going? That's lovely. Step out again, but not letting it go beyond that. I'd increase the outdoor play, whatever it is, go higher because you've got a very physical four year old who needs physical outlet and release. Um, increases sensory play as well because it'll just help him to work out some of that frustration and release that anger in a healthy way. And I want you just to be his calm rather than ask him to calm. Mm. So when these incidents happen, don't lose it as best you can now. Don't lose it. Stay calm. And so he can be calmed through you, by you, rather than on his own. Because at four years old, he cannot do that on his own. Yeah. Now, when they say it's uh, out of the blue, it seems to me, would it be out of the blue or is there some reason that a four-year-old can't articulate? It might be out of the blue from an adult perspective. Yeah. That is a disproportionate response, Sean, to somebody taking your train. But to a four-year-old, no, that's context. Yeah. That's yeah. trigger. Yeah. That is justification for what happens next. But he also may be, and look, four-year-olds are impulsive by nature. He may be a little over and above in the impulsive nature. So involve a few games that involve those stop, start, freeze, go, t- where he's taking his cue from you. Yeah. And you're doing like musical statues, red light, green light, you know, things like that. Now, that's all mm. I mean. But doing those kinds of activities can help build some of that impulse tolerance as well. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.